It's a bye week for the Vikings. It's not a bye week for Jeff Diamond or Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider, one of our Viking shows here at TalkNorth.com. Jeff, of course, former Vikings general manager. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Uh, you might also enjoy the Viking Update show on TalkNorth.com. If you like a show, please subscribe at your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen to this show or any show you like at the network. Uh, we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studios, and we want to thank White Bear Lake Superstore, Platinum Bank. Uh, Jeff, fascinating week, devastating week for the Vikings. Uh, second straight loss, and Josh Dobbs throws four interceptions. Uh, one of them probably wasn't his fault, but he also threw what should have been a pick six that was dropped. Really bad game for him. You've been in the room trying to make quarterback decisions before. What do you think the Vikings are going to do at quarterback? What do you think they should do at quarterback? It's it certainly – kind of in a quandary i would say at this point for kevin o- kevin o'connell who will make the final call on this jim and it was certainly a very disappointing performance for josh Dobbs. the obviously he was the best story in the nfl as we've talked about for a couple of weeks in weeks nine and ten when he when he comes here and he beats atlanta in atlanta his hometown and he beats new orleans in his home debut, and then in the last two two losses at, at Denver and at home against the Bears, he turns it over six times in those two games and four interceptions, one of them not his fault when Addison should have caught the ball, but the other three, I, I thought, Jim, it, it was as careless a game as I've seen a Viking quarterback play in many, many years. And, yeah, Cousins has had a few games against that dominant Bears defense in 2018-2019 where he couldn't get anything going. But I I never saw him throwing balls up in the air, just up for grabs as he's being tackled, as he's being sacked. And it it was just a really tough night for for Josh Dobbs. He, He couldn't get outside the pocket. The Bears really did a good job defensively containing his rollouts. Montez Sweat has brought a, another dimension to their pass rush that was really dreadful until he arrived. And all of a sudden, it's really two weeks in a row. You talk about Dobbs' performance, but you also talk about the offensive line and the pass protection when he's pressured on 44% of his dropbacks really two weeks in a row. That that's not that's not good for an offensive line that's had some pretty high marks this year. So I don't know what's going on with with the with the old line. Brian O'Neill, who I think is a Pro Bowl caliber offensive tackle, he had a really rough night with with Sweat, who had a one and a half sacks. And so the question now looms: What is O'Connell going to do when he opened the door in the press conference after the game and and? the next day to say that, that he's assessing everything and looking at every option and thinking about Jaron Hall or Nick Mullins and thinking about Dobbs. To me, when they come back out of the bye, and, and this is a good time for a bye for the Vikings to kind of catch their breath, get some guys healthy. Jefferson has an extra week to come back. I, I think that 
a lot of people think that he could have gone on, on Monday night against Chicago and that might've made a difference. And I, I tend to agree with that. Sometimes these, these teams are so cautious with players that it, it just doesn't make sense because it was such a big game. In in reality, the Bear game, a lot bigger game than, than the Raider game, which is a, against an AFC opponent. The Bears game, with that loss, they're no longer undefeated in, in the division. They dropped two and a half behind Detroit, who's struggling now and has a tough schedule ahead with four out of the next five on the road starting at New Orleans this week. The Vikings still have two cracks at the Lions. Jared Goff is like Dobbs. He's, he's turned it over six times in two weeks. And they should have lost to the Bears two weeks ago. <clears throat> and then they get beat by the Packers on Thanksgiving. Big opportunity missed for the Vikings to, to find a way to win this game. And, and I'm going to say this too, Jim. As much as the focus is on Dobbs and his poor play, I think the coaching staff bears a lot of the blame in this game. And it's just, it's such a weird business for coaches because Kevin O'Connell, after the Atlanta game, is a genius for how he got Dobbs ready to play and how he's in his ear and all this and that. <laughs> and then two, two weeks, three weeks later, he's, he's making calls like the fourth and seven. Uh, going for it when it's a three-three game and the Bears aren't doing anything on offense, and then and he's got a quarterback who's shaky and throws the ball behind Hawkinson. He gets tackled a yard shy of the first down. I thought that was a a bad call at that point, as a lot of people have pointed out. And the sequence that bothered me even more that people aren't talking about as much was the last offensive series for the Vikings when Metellus forces the fumble by Fields. And they've got the ball with, with 3.28 to go right around midfield or in Chicago territory. And at that point, it's on the Chicago, it's actually at the Chicago 43-yard line. And, and they go run, run, pounding Madison into the line. And, and then they call an outside one-yard pass to Brandon Powell instead of trying to hit Hawkinson or Addison downfield. I thought that series was, was really a bad series, ultra-conservative. I think it showed how, how little O'Connell trusted Dobbs at that point and that he figured, okay, I'm just going to rely on, on the defense and rely on my punter to pin them down inside the 10. And then Ryan Wright kicks a lousy punt, 26 yards, and all of a sudden the Bears are in business and Fields is moving the ball. And then talking again about the coaching staff, Brian Flores, yeah, he's done a great job with that defense. We know what he's done and how he's confused quarterbacks. But on the 36-yard on the play to D.J. Moore, how does D.J. Moore, the Bears' best receiver, who is obviously going to be the primary receiver for fields on that situation, he's already got 10 catches in the game, how does he get wide open in the middle of the field? And why don't they have – Byron Murphy, who covered him a lot, why don't they have him man coverage with safety help doubling DJ Moore at that point, make Fields go off his primary read and go hold the ball and maybe Hunter can get to him or want him. So I thought that was a disastrous call 
by the defensive coordinator in terms of having that zone coverage. And then where's the zone coverage? How do you let the guy run free in the middle of the field at crunch time? And I don't know who made the mistake. We haven't heard. It might have been Metellus, who was kind of floating in the middle, but he was 15 yards in front of <laughs> DJ Moore. So coaching miscues, player miscues, offensive line, and Josh Dobbs. It adds up to a really bad loss. But, hey, they're still holding the last wild card spot. They still have an opportunity after the bye to get it back on track. But who that quarterback's going to be, I don't know, Jim, because I'm just not sure that O'Connell trusts Dobbs at this point to be the guy, even though I think he's the most talented athletically. If he doesn't play so carelessly, I think he's the best option. But do you trust him? Yeah, and I don't think O'Connell does, and I, I don't at this moment either. Um, I did like what I saw out of Jaron Hall in his short stint in Atlanta. Um, he actually exceeded expectations in that small window. Mullins is probably the most like Cousins in terms of just standing in the pocket running the offense. Uh, you know, I thought after the game when I asked O'Connell about making a quarterback change, to me, he was hinting that he, he was favoring going toward Jaron Hall, but that was before he had any meetings or any time to really reflect. It's going to be really interesting. Um, but what, you know, big picture, what it demonstrates is how hard it is to play quarterback in the NFL and how few people can actually handle doing it week after week at a high level. Yeah, it does. And, and it's really kind of sad in the case of Josh Dobbs because he, he, he's such a likable guy. Oh, yeah. And, and he, he had those great two weeks, but it's just, as I said, can you trust him? And it's just so so weird because for two weeks, it looked like Dobbs could replace Kirk Cousins next season and that Kwesi Adolfo Menza could get his dream, which was to get rid of that Cousins contract and sign Dobbs for less money, draft a quarterback in the first round, groom that quarterback to take over eventually, which I think they, they still will do, but I think it will be more likely it could be with Cousins coming back on another short deal and still drafting a quarterback out of a really top quarterback class where there could be five or six first-round picks out of that class. And then going the, the, the Mahomes-Alex Smith route where Cousins is the starter next year, and you're grooming the new guy to, to replace him, as was the case with Mahomes when he, he sat behind Alex Smith for a year, comes in his second year, takes the Chiefs to the AFC title game against New England, and wins MVP that year, and then the next year he wins the Super Bowl. So I, I just think all bets are off at this point. We don't know what's going to happen. And maybe, maybe Josh Dobbs gets back on track, gets him to the playoffs, wins a playoff game. I think the key for the Vikings going forward, they need to find a way to get to the if, – if they can't win the division, which is going to be very difficult being two and a half back with five games to go, it's possible if Detroit still continues their slide and Jared Goff continues to not play well. And as I said, they've got some tough games ahead. They've got to go to New Orleans – but they're not playing great, even though they're still tied for the division lead. But if all of a sudden the Lions lose this week, the Vikings are, again, two games back 
so they're in striking distance. And Detroit still has to play at Dallas. They still have to play at Chicago, which you know the Bears are going are to be out for, out for revenge in that game after they blew the last one. And the Bears are playing decent football now. And Justin Fields is on a five-week trial run for himself to try to keep that job. <laughs> so one of the many interesting quarterback storylines around the NFL over the rest of the regular season. But, yeah, I think, I think it's really going to be interesting to see how things shake out after the bye. Well, let's get into the quarterback position around the league. As you've talked about and written about elsewhere, uh, there are a lot of fascinating storylines. The quarterback position is it's it's crazy around the league. The injuries, the decisions being made on young quarterbacks, uh, Bryce Young getting Frank Reich fired, C.J. Stroud looking like a world beater. Let's get into all that here after we thank White Bear Lake Superstore, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. My longtime friend, Paul Rubin, his general, general manager, Charlie Gutrell, they're fantastic staff at the White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC, Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection and their super friendly premium team. Check out their great website, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. You will see fall savings, even though we're getting closer to winter. <laughs> it's $2,750 purchase allowance plus $3,250 trade assistance and bonus cash and 0.9% APR on 2023 GMC Sierra 1500 elevation, 1.9% APR and up to $1,250 purchase allowance on 2023 Buick SUV models with no monthly payments until 2024 for Encore GX, Envision, and Enclave, a $3,500 purchase allowance and $2,500 trade assistance on GMC Sierra 1500s. The White Bear Lake Superstore is the Quigley 4x4 van superstore. They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. Visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at whitebearlakesuperstore.com. For all your vehicle needs and the premium experience, Buick GMC, we are professional grade. We'd also like to thank longtime sponsor Platinum Bank. Happy to talk about our great sponsor. Platinum Bank is your bank a partner or simply a provider. In today's environment, businesses and individuals need a bank that can move quickly and act creatively. Platinum Bank understands the Twin Cities market, partnering with clients to overcome the challenges, capitalize on opportunities, and helping Twin Cities executives to grow their businesses. Platinum Bank's financial products are tailored to meet the unique needs of your organization and <clears throat> solve your problems, not create them. I am a very happy Platinum Bank client and account holder, have personally experienced tremendous customer service, working with Executive VP Nader for and VP Drew Lynch. To learn how Platinum Bank can be an asset to your business, visit www.platinumbankmn.com. Platinum Bank, providing a means to a dream. And again, if you like this show, you might also like the Viking Update show. Myself and John Krasinski taking the writer's view of the Vikings. We also have added Dawn of Sports, which is our podcast with Dawn Mitchell, uh, which often hits Viking topics and has some Vikings guests, including Chad Greenway. Uh, Check that out as well at TalkNorth.com. Personal note, we're going to be celebrating Dawn Mitchell's birthday, the great photographer from the Star Tribune, Jerry Holt's birthday, Saturday night at Glick's 9 or 9.30. My band's going to be playing late night at Glick's Saturday night. Come on down, have a beer with us, listen to some music, uh, say hello to some really cool people. We'd appreciate it. All right, Jeff, tell me about 
your piece on quarterbacks around the league and what a fascinating time this is as we head into the last five weeks of the season. Yeah, I think it really is interesting. <clears throat> and you start with the egomaniac Aaron Rodgers in New York who keeps teasing that he make make this miraculous recovery and return. But depending on his health first, and are we alive for the playoff second? Well, you, you look at they've got Atlanta, Houston, and Miami up next. They're four and seven. Those three teams all in the playoff hunt. So it, it's highly doubtful, I would say, that, that they'll be in the race to entice him to return in late December. And would he really want to come back and face Miles Garrett and the top-ranked Browns defense in cold Cleveland in Week 17? So, again, it's just Rodgers being Rodgers. Josh Allen, I think, is an interesting story. He is such a talented player, had a great game in, in that really exciting game in Philadelphia, but he throws a costly interception. He has a miscommunication with Gabe Davis on a potential game-winning pass in, in overtime, and Jalen Hurts takes the Eagles down and gets the win. I think Justin Fields, watching him play the other night, you can see what a athletically gifted player he is with his running ability and and the way he stepped up and made that last great throw to DJ Moore but he also fumbled twice in the game and it's just part of his roller coaster and as I said he's on a five-week trial run coming up beginning with the Lions after the after the the bye week uh, for Chicago and so yeah Fields is a question mark CJ Stroud we mentioned can he lead the Texans to an unexpected playoff berth He's going to be the offensive rookie of the year, but if he gets them in the playoffs, he's in the race for MVP. Josh Dobbs is a big storyline. Jared Goff, we mentioned before, with his six turnovers the last two weeks. Russell Wilson, Jim, I know I know he's always been a favorite of yours and had that terrible season last year, his career worst season when they went four and eleven. And then he starts this year one and five. And we're all thinking Sean Payton's gonna get rid of him real soon. And then he gets on this hot streak, and now Wilson's won five straight. The Broncos are in playoff contention at six and five. He's got eight touchdown passes, no interceptions over that stretch. He's playing like the old Russell Wilson. He's running for key first downs. That's a a really interesting storyline. If he gets the Broncos in the playoffs with his playoff pedigree, uh, Denver's a dangerous team. I, I think that... Tua Tagovailoa and Dak Prescott kind of in the same boat. They're both having really good seasons, but neither of them have beaten a team with a winning record so far. Now the Cowboys are going to have a a chance to, and Prescott to change that narrative because they've got five straight games against teams that are 500 or better starting as we, as we record today, they're going to play Seattle uh, in a Thursday night game, which is an important game for the Vikings because if, if the Cowboys beat the Seahawks, then the Vikings jump ahead of Seattle for the, the sixth spot in, in the playoff seating. And Seattle has a really tough schedule ahead. They've got Philadelphia up ahead, and, and, I, and I think Baltimore, I think the Seahawks could be a team that may be on a late-season slide, which could open the door, obviously, for the Vikings to move up to number six if they can get, get some wins down the stretch. And I think that sixth seed is really important because it's pretty apparent that Philadelphia and San Francisco, they've got their big game this week. They're going to be one and two 
And so Detroit is likely at number three, figuring they're going to win the division unless they really go into a, a free fall and the Vikings beat them twice. But you got to figure Detroit probably a three. The winner of the South, either New Orleans or Atlanta, is number four. If the Vikings get to six, they would go to Detroit in the first round, which they would much prefer over San Francisco or Philadelphia, obviously. And then I think almost to me the biggest quarterback storyline, Ken Lamar Jackson, who has the Ravens with, with the top seed right now in the AFC, although they've got they've got three teams right nipping at their heels, which are Kansas City, Jacksonville, and who else, Jim? <laughs> well, the- let's see. I don't have the NFL standings up right got now. Kansas City, Jacksonville and 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 uh, Miami. Miami. Yep, Miami's eight and three. We're, we're all eight and three. But can Lamar stay healthy, which he wasn't at the end of the last two seasons, which killed the Ravens in the playoffs? Can he stay healthy, lead them to the division title, instill a competitive division, even though Cleveland's missing Deshaun Watson? Pittsburgh has had an amazing year, and and those two, two teams play each other in, in the last game. Pittsburgh's got an easier schedule down the stretch. But can can Lamar stay healthy? Can he lead Baltimore to the division title and the top seed? He's still the leading quarterback rusher in the league with 574 yards. He's got his best supporting cast at wide receiver with, with Flowers, Beckman, and, and, and Bateman, the ex-gopher. There's a chance Mark Andrews could come back for the playoffs. So Lamar Jackson, to me, if, if Baltimore gets in the playoffs as a top seed, then that gives Lamar the best chance that he's had to improve on his one and three playoff record. And we remember a couple of years ago, they were the top seed and Tennessee went in there and beat them. So in the first round, so Lamar still has something to prove, but definitely the Ravens made the right choice in getting his contract done after all the angst over the last couple of years with his contract and the franchise tag and all this and that. And finally they get him signed and he's, and he's, Proving worthy of the contract, no doubt about it. All right, let's uh, let's go around the league by picking the key games for this weekend, and let's start with the big one: San Francisco at Philadelphia. Uh, this is kind of a clash of titans. The San Francisco, uh, the Vikings beat them at home, but they have won three straight. They're as healthy as they've been. Uh, they have all their key skill position players playing well right now. Philadelphia keeps on winning close games. Who do you like here? Yeah, I think this is a tough call, Jim. Brock Purdy's been playing really well since the the 49ers were on that three-game skid, and he had a couple interceptions in the loss to the Vikings. I just feel like Philadelphia and Jalen Hurts will find a way to win this game as they found a way to beat Dallas at the end, as they found a way to, uh, to, to win last week against Buffalo. The 49ers are, I think, perhaps even more talented, but – in Philadelphia, I'm, I'm going to go with the Eagles, even though it, it certainly wouldn't surprise me if San Francisco won. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to take the 49ers uh, for what it's worth, just because of the way they're playing right now, and I think they're uh, they're fired up to beat that Philadelphia team. We'll see. Detroit at New Orleans, obviously a big game for the Vikings. Yeah, it definitely is a big game for the Vikings, and I. it's just, again, this is a, a hard one to pick. Derek Carr played lousy against Atlanta last week in a big loss with the division lead on the line. But 
New Orleans defense is still is still a strong defense, and even though they've, they've had some injuries, I, I'm tempted to t- I'm tempted to take the Lions to bounce back, but they haven't been a great road team. I think I think New Orleans finds a way to win this game and and continues Detroit's kind of recent slide. Interesting. Uh, speaking of division games, Kansas City at Green Bay. Green Bay just coming off a big win at Detroit. Uh, do you think they are actually getting better at this point, or does Kansas City expose them? Yeah, I, I think I think that I, I'm not going to go against Patrick Mahomes in this game. He, he and Rasheed Rice are developing a better connection, and I think that the Kansas City defense, very underrated, very talented. Chris Jones, I think, will really make life difficult for Jordan Love in this game. The weather shouldn't be that terrible it, as an equalizer for the Packers. Aaron Jones is is still has been banged up. I, I'll take I'll take Kansas City. I'm not I'm not going against uh, Patrick Mahomes in this game against Jordan Love, even though Love, Love has been playing better. Yes. All right. Uh, Denver at Houston. You, we we're talking about the Broncos, and we we're talking about Houston. This is two really interesting teams. We didn't think would be playing a big game in December, but they are. Yeah, they definitely are. And wow, the Broncos. Have have been amazing with their turnaround, and the Texans went three thirteen and one last year with C.J. Stroud, but he's been throwing a few more interceptions lately. Russell Wilson has the confidence. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with with the Broncos on the road to to find a way to knock off the Texans again. Very close game. Would not be surprised if it went the other way. Last topic for this show. Once again, if you like the show, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. We do appreciate it. And check out TalkNorth.com for all of our sports, outdoor, and variety content. Uh, We appreciate you listening. I think Daniel Hunter has made himself a priority for this team. Uh, Can they fit all these big contracts that are coming down the pike under the salary cap if they want to keep Daniel Hunter around? Yeah, I think they, they can find a way to do it. Uh, whether it's with, with some voidable years on Cousins' contract, uh, Jefferson's new contract will have a, a big signing bonus, and they can get a, a low first first and second year cap number on that. They give them something like a thirty million dollars signing bonus, spread over six six years, shall we say, and and, and you give them a low first year base salary, then all of a sudden. Um, you you just rework that entire contract to get rid of that nineteen million dollar base salary that's it that's under his fifth year option, and and I think they can do the same thing with Daniil uh, in a new contract to give him a, a fairly big signing bonus. It's going to be a big cash outlay, but I think the Wolves have proven that they're not afraid of that on players that they trust. And I think I agree with you, Jim. I think Daniil Hunter. First of all, I thought he was the best player on the field for either team on Monday night. Yep. He was seemed to be everywhere on every tackle, had one and a half sacks, nine tackles, two tackles for loss, three QB hits. I think he's a must sign. I think he's proven that he's over the injury bug. Where would their defense be without him and their pass rush? Marcus Davenport, we don't hear anything about him these days. Like what's no. going on with him and his ankle and he he could have had his practice 21 day window open by now. It hasn't been. That's turning into a disaster signing for 13 million bucks. Even though in the, in the three games he played, he was really effective and had a couple sacks and was good against the run. Maybe they're hoping they can get to, to those two Detroit games and he's ready to come back 
in late December and if they can keep him on the field for a possible playoff game, he's a good player, but he can't stay healthy. Daniil Hunter, I think, is a critical sign. I think you, you, you nailed it right on the head of how important he is to that defense. And as I said, he's having a, a, a fantastic year now. Again, tied for the NFL lead with sacks with 13 and a half. Yeah, he's he's great. He's vital. I think they need to keep him. I think, and my guess is that with the Wilfs running the show and Rob Brzezinski uh, handling the cap, I think they'll get it done too. Yeah, I I agree with you, I, and I think that that will happen. I I would not be at all surprised if they find a way to get Cousins, Jefferson, and Hunter under the cap next year, and, and get those deals done, and get Jefferson and Hunter signed for the long term. Uh, enough of this back and forth with these guys. Yep, but certainly it's an important couple of weeks coming up for for JJ too, as he returns, and and that's the best news for the Vikings offense. That certainly Kevin O'Connell in, in his media session quickly got on that subject on Tuesday, because it, it it's it's the positive this week, and the other positive the Vikings still are are holding a playoff spot, but Jefferson. Jim, you, you look at his production in the first five games. He he was averaging 114.2 yards per game, which is significant for an offense that had only 242 yards of offense on Monday night. Yep. But who's going to get him the ball? Can they get him the ball? Can they pass protect to give that quarterback time to throw, which Dobbs didn't have? Those are the big questions. But it, it's just obvious that Jefferson coming back is going to open things up for the entire offense if they can pass protect better, which I think they'll get that back on track. Because Jefferson, as he commands the double teams, then this opened things up for Addison, as as he was doing early in the season. Hawkinson, Osborne, who's had a sort of mediocre season. And even Brandon Powell, if they want to go four wide. So... Justin Jefferson, he's a key to the rest of the season. He's got to be healthy, play at his usual level, and then have the quarterbacks get him the ball, whoever that quarterback is. It could be Jaron Hall. You might be right. I'm just not sure he doesn't give Dobbs one more crack. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, we'll find out next week. We'll talk about that quarterback decision. We'll talk about the matchup with the Raiders, who are another interesting team. Uh, great stuff from Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks to everyone who listens. We will talk to you next week on Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider.